Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and I am excited to be with you on a Sunday morning here on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster. But on Sunday mornings from 7 to 8, we talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. And it's just uh, been an awful lot of fun over the almost 20 years of doing this show. This is show number 953 today. We do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And that seems to have served us very, very well. And I'm excited to have with us today Dalen Hicks. And he is the founder of Lord of the Harvest Ministries and also a former missionary to Haiti. Brother Hicks, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, preacher. It's good, good to be to, here with it's you. It's good to have you here with us. I'm I'm excited about hearing your story, and uh, you have been a missionary, and here uh, as of late, you founded this ministry, Lord of the Harvest, and and uh, just from what little conversation we've had, you have a heart for missions, not only as you served as a missionary, but to raise support for missionaries and to send missionaries. Correct. Yes. Am, I, am I pretty yes. good here? And uh, encourage. Encouraging people to pray for laborers, as, as Jesus yes. told us to do. He said that the uh, harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are Absolutely. few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now that doesn't maybe make a lot of sense to us, does it? Because he asked us to pray to him. For him for to harvest. raise up labor to go into his harvest. That <laughs> is interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. But uh, that's what he said to do. And, you know, most people think of praying for Americans, American missionaries. Right. But I encourage people to pray for God to raise up labors inside those countries. Yeah. Because right. two-thirds of the world is closed to missions. Uh-huh. And so... American missionaries can't go into no. those countries. And I, I know of a lot of people now who are, mm. are countries who are sending missionaries to America. Exactly. And uh, yes. I've, I've met several people like that. They, mm-hmm. they just felt a call to go to America, go to the inner cities because there's a desperate need there for, for such. But uh, as you are going uh, to your travels, and I know that, that you're not traveling much, maybe as much as you used to, but what are you finding? What kind of response are you getting? Well, it depends on where you go. Now, Haiti is very receptive. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One thing unusual about Haiti is they like Americans. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, we like <laughs> which that. Is, which is not true of many countries, uh-huh, right? Uh, but, but what I mean is, as you are traveling in America, and, and you're going and you're presenting the the story of missions and, and the call to missions, are you finding people responding to you? Some some areas are better than others. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just people in general in the South are generally cordial. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been in, visiting in places in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, slam the door, curse you. Really? Yeah. And you rarely, very rarely ever find that, you know, down in the southern states. Uh-huh. But now when you are going to, uh, <laughs> are you going to ex- the churches to, to talk? Or are you, are you just going out on the street? Or how, how are you reaching well, people? Yeah, uh, go to churches. To churches. Yes. So, so you're, the, the response that you just described, that's coming from churches? Well, now churches, uh, people, you know, are getting involved in praying for countries. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, when we first started, I had a booklet 
and uh, it had all the names of the countries in it. A little different than the one I have now. Uh-huh. And we were getting people to adopt a country to pray for, and we would send them information. I see. And we had about 10,000 people involved really? in that. But what I found out was that uh, there were only certain list of countries, you know, Russia, China, you know, a lot of the well-known countries. And the other countries, uh, what about Uzbekistan or mm-hmm. Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan? Is you it know, because the people just didn't know about them? Didn't know about right, them. Right. Americans are very poor in geography. <laughs> yeah, that's really. true. That is true. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably one of them. I asked people, where is Suriname? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> it's in South America. Okay. Right between uh, Guyana and uh, French Guiana. Now, I've never even heard of the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a state against Suriname? Suriname. Suriname. Mm-hmm. No, I've not heard of that country. Now, I know a lot of the countries in, in Central and South America, but uh, that one, I'm, I'm, yeah. now, now, are these are areas that you've ministered in, or are you aware of? No, I've just, yeah. I just know every country in the world. Yeah. Now, in South and Central America, are those countries generally open to the gospel? <clears throat> well, that's uh, a hard to uh-huh. answer. Uh, Catholicism is big, you know, uh-huh. in, in South America. And so, you know, you have a lot of opposition. No, to the evangelical yeah, uh, yeah, gospel. Yeah. Such, because your, your Catholic brother would argue that they are presenting the gospel. Yeah, of course, right. as evangelicals, we may have differences of opinion yeah. about that. And, of course, what we are uh, preaching, and I'm pretty sure you're like me, I'm preaching the relationship, you know, that you know Jesus Christ, right, not, exactly. not as a, yeah. just a person who, who, was, who was put on a cross, but a person who is a living Savior yes. uh, in the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that leads and guides and directs us. That's the gospel that I preach. Exactly. And, uh, and of course, I, don't, I can't speak for what everybody else preaches because I'm not there to hear, hear yeah. their message. But I do know this, is that uh, if, if you take everything that, that's happening in our country here and you go, okay, if different ones sends a missionary to such, are they going to preach the true gospel mm-hmm. or is it going to be doctored in some fashion? <laughs> and that would be a, a concern of mine because, well, mm-hmm. like for instance, I was in Guatemala, I think it was uh, 1993. And the, the person that I was with there, they said that Guatemala is about 20 years behind America in some of the things that's happening here. They're about 20 years behind so we say if there's things that you and I would disagree with hap- this happening in our society today, we don't necessarily want to transfer that <laughs> to, to another society. Mm-hmm. We want missionaries that are going to go preach the truth of the gospel. And I have a feeling you were one of those people. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you served in Haiti. And for we figured it out, I, I did the math here a few minutes ago, 17 years, your wife and you, you and your wife. Mm-hmm. Now, let's back up a little bit. Uh, were you a person who was raised in church and owned Christ all your life? I was not. It was not. Okay, so there's a story here. We want to hear it. Yes. Uh, I had a grandmother and grandfather who were very, very religious and uh-huh. very faithful, uh-huh. uh, studying the scriptures. And uh, that was my dad's mother and dad, my Mother's mother and dad, I never know of them going to church. Mm-hmm. And my folks had a store 
And so they were there seven days a week, you know, from can to can't. And uh, so we were pretty much on our own. So as children? As children. Right. Yeah, I'm the middle uh-huh. of five children. I have two older brothers. One has gone to be, well, has passed away. Okay. And then I have two younger sisters. Okay. But anyhow, uh, we would go sometimes, you know, occasionally, but not regularly by any stretch of the imagination. And so uh, that's the way I grew up. And then after I graduated from high school in 1955, we moved to a different location. My dad was driving an oil transport truck. Okay. And uh, for some reason, we started going to a church. And the First Baptist Church at Point Comfort, which is uh, just a community across from Port Port Lavaca. Now, this is in Texas? South Texas, yes. Texas, okay. And uh, I grew up 75 miles south of San Antonio. Okay. So we started going, and one Sunday, preacher gave the invitation. And to be honest, I had never... I can't remember ever wondering if I was going to heaven or hell or uh-huh. what, but the Holy Spirit got hold of me. Wow. And I was just, I felt worse than I'd ever felt in my life. Huh. I never felt like that. Wow. Conviction. Yeah, yeah, conviction. And it was so strong, and I couldn't do anything but give in, <laughs> give huh. up. So Surrender. At what age were you at that time? 18. 18 I just had graduated from high school. Okay, so you had pretty much grown up, was, was a man, and, yeah. and really had not been exposed to the gospel. I mean, other than a few times, like you said, mm-hmm. when you were a child, you'd go. Yeah. and But you heard a, a gospel message, a strong preacher preaching, and you responded to it. I responded. Now, what about your, your parents? Were, were they there that day? or No. So Well, my mother was. Uh-huh. Uh both my parents claimed to be saved, you know, through the years. In fact, my dad, when he was 95, was concerned about his relationship with Christ. Uh-huh. And a preacher came to visit him, and uh, he was even baptized when he was 95. Uh, reaffirmed his faith, yeah. and praise yeah. God for that. So uh, your dad, had they finally closed the store up, or they, they stopped the store. So now yeah. they, they weren't, as you say, weren't working from can to can't. Yeah. <laughs> so as he starts driving the tanker, that gives him a little bit more free time, I would assume. Uh, I know that's uh, was he going yeah. long long range or was he just no no to show okay. so yeah. maybe a maybe a, a typical eight to five job or something like that yeah so Sundays that, got some yeah. time off starts going to church well he drove a lot on Sundays uh-huh. but uh, but uh, mother and my two younger sisters and I went my brothers were both in the army at the time okay so eighteen years of age you gave your heart to Christ now did you pretty much uh, walk that from that time on. Uh, mostly, I went in the army about a month later. Okay, and uh, I wasn't like the other fellows that were drinking and carrying on all the time. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. We always appreciate our veterans. Uh, we we thank God for men who's willing to to go serve. So we've had a lot in our family. My wife, my first wife, uh, passed away. Uh, we'd been married 58 years. Wow. But her her dad was killed in World War II down in the Pacific. Wow. And then my oldest brother was in Korea and then a special forces officer in Vietnam. My other brother was a helicopter pilot two terms 
in Vietnam. I was in, of course, uh, Germany, 26 months. Wow. And, so that was the state of Texas stepping up, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> and my, uh, my youngest son went through Hell Week in Navy train in SEAL training. Is that right? And then he had a broken wrist. And oh, no. So he had to stop that. So is he still in the Navy, just not in the No, SEALs? he was for eight years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, go Navy. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I, I was Navy. So yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, you're, so you're in the Army for how long now? Five years? How long did you serve in the Army? Uh, no, three. Three years. Yeah. And all that time, you you walked to walk. Uh, still no, had your faith. No, not not. I tell you, the uh, the army is not the best place to you know to really walk with the Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> the chaplains we had a we had a chaplain who had an affair, and they sent the woman off instead of him. You uh-huh. know, and, right, right. And yeah, so, it is tough know. in the in the military. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's uh, you got a lot of negative influences there, and a, and a lot of uh, peer pressure. <laughs> you know, that's the, I've I've been saved since since 1955. I've had maybe six at the very most people witness to me. Is that right? The first one I ever had to witness me was in Germany when I first got there. Uh-huh. We replaced the Third Infantry. I was in the Third Armored Division. We replaced that, but anyhow, one of the men. Uh, asked me about my salvation. Uh-huh. We prayed together, you know. But that was the first time. And not many people witness. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Not it? many people do. That know? really is sad. Really. The yeah. thing is, is that we, we should share faith. But you're right. And, and, and now that you mentioned that, I can think maybe one or two times that somebody's actually came up to me or talked to me about my faith. Now, there's been other times when people have talked to me about increasing my faith in the, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But you're right. We need to do a better job in that. And as far as the church, we need to be more concerned about the Great Commission to well, go and tell. I always uh, mention how many people were faithful for me to get the gospel. Uh-huh. Right. Well, you know, from the time Paul went over into Macedonia, the first time a missionary went to Europe was Paul. Right, right. And because of him... We have the gospel. Yeah, yeah, you know, I have been talking to my church about that. It's funny that you'd bring that up because uh, I read a book. It called it's called New Testament Times by by Tinney. And he talks about what it took for those guys, because we don't often think about those those men who traveled to bring the gospel. But they traveled across the rough terrain, sure. and uh, and they had to sleep on the ground, and, and they had to deal with with bandits, and and, and then they, they get into a town and they preach the gospel, and they get thrown out. I mean, they had a rough life. In jail. Yeah, that was a rough life to to, yeah. to do what they did. But I thank God that they did. Sure, that they were faithful, even though it was tough. And, of course, you folks who go to these foreign fields, some tells me that's not necessarily a cakewalk either. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that just for a few minutes. But but you you, you finished the Army up. Now, where, where did you meet your wife in here? My wife and my sister were roommates in nursing school. Uh-huh. And I always said my wife figured I'd make a better roommate than my sister. <laughs> uh, so did you meet her when you were in the Army? No, no, I had I've had already served my time. I see. And so, where did you meet her at? Uh, in Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. My, the, my sister was going to nursing school, 
And so she brought her roommate home to meet you. <laughs> she didn't know she was yeah. bringing her home to meet you, but that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, was she a believer when y'all met? Yes. Okay. That makes it more convenient. Yeah, she was saved when she was young. So Very somewhere young. along the line, you went to Bible college. Well, after that. After the army. After we got, yeah, after right. we got married, okay. matter, as a matter of fact, uh, we got married in 1959. Okay. And it was about three years or so later when I started the school. So what, what, what was it that prompted you to go to Bible college? Actually, I was, I was going, I started out as a music major. Ah. That was my intent. And uh, the Lord changed my right. mind. <laughs> now you, haven't, you haven't told us about this. So you're a musician? Yes, I play guitar. Well, I play three instruments. Okay, guitar and what else? Guitar, piano, and a saw. The saw. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just at a men's retreat last uh, week, and a guy played the saw. He played, uh, what was it, Amazing Grace? And uh, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you, can you just go pick up any old saw out here? or does it, No. Does it have to be properly tuned? or Well, what? not tuned. <laughs> uh, the saw I play is, has more volume. It's wider. Uh-huh. And so you get a, a lower tone, you know. Okay. The less metal you have, the higher the tone, you know. Uh huh. So if you're going to go pick out a song to or a saw to play, you're looking at one with more metal. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, wider, wider saw. Uh, but it, you know, the, most of the saws are not that wide. It's uh-huh. as wide as the ones you can get. <laughs> I just think that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this brother he came and, and uh, he plays keyboard and and, uh, and sings. But here he was playing a saw, and I'm going. That's pretty pretty yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I started out uh, when I was 11. Uh, my uncle was in was the uh, president of the Lions Club in Three Rivers, Texas, where uh-huh. I was born and raised. And they were going to have a contest. And uh, he said, why don't you come and sing in the contest? Well, I did, and I won first place. And then uh, they had a had one down in Corpus Christi. And I went down to there, and, and uh, I won first place now, there. And when you were doing that, were you? I was singing. You were singing. I was singing, okay. Yes. Uh, right. I didn't play guitar then. Right. I started, though, when I was 12. Okay. And uh, so, anyhow, I had a radio station in KIBL and BDL, uh. KDOK. <laughs> See, I told you. I said, yeah. I bet you you have done radio. You you didn't tell me that before we went on the air. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, anyhow, I had little programs. You uh-huh. know, on there. Right. Okay. So, so you uh, went to Bible college as to study music? I started, yes. Started, and then somewhere along the line, not, other things began to happen. Not long after that. I started, yeah, really. Now, did you get a call early on to be a missionary, or was you going to be a pastor? Or? No, I actually uh, was called into missions. Uh, the pastor we had at the time went down to the Virgin Islands, came back, and had a slide presentation. Uh-huh. And the Lord started dealing with me. Uh, and did for about a week. Uh huh. And I was having trouble sleeping, and yeah, that, that's uh, usually the call of God yeah. when that happens. <laughs> so I was actually building. I grew up building. Uh huh. I'm a cabinet maker. Okay. And uh, make furniture and everything. But anyhow, uh, I was going to work one morning. A fellow and I were building a new house, and I was singing a song. Jesus, use me. Okay. 
And uh, I started crying. And uh, all of a sudden, I said, yes, out loud. Uh-huh. I knew the Lord was calling me. Wow. And I just said, you know, I didn't hear a voice. Uh-huh. But something in my soul, you know. Well, that's confirmation. And yeah. uh, and I said yes out loud. Uh-huh. Now, now, were you in Bible college at that time when that happened? No. So this I was this was pre- I was predated. I the was Bible actually. College. Uh, I was actually. I had already started. Yes, I had some. Uh-huh. And then I started by. So it. while you were studying for ministry and then, of course, studying music, God speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And so you say, okay, got a whole new direction here now. So you have the call to, to missions. So did, I, I'm assuming you went ahead and finished Bible college. Yes. Now, where did you go? Uh, I went some in, in Texas, Jacksonville Baptist College. Okay. And then uh, to seminary, Covington Seminary in uh, Georgia. Okay. All right. So you finished Bible college. Now, at that time, was it pretty much pretty much cemented in your mind that you were going to be doing mission work? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So how did you go about it? Well, the, the, the first thing you'd have to figure out: where does God want you to go? How did that happen? Well, uh, I've actually felt called to go down in the Caribbean uh-huh. uh, from His presentation. Right. Okay. And, uh, so. Anyhow, I was helping a fella. I worked with a fella who had a film ministry. He'd go out to uh, mostly the black communities, and he had a film. He'd show it. Uh-huh. And uh, I worked with him, and uh, he had a trailer that he would go to fairs and, you know, uh, places like that and, and present the gospel. Okay. Have a little. But anyhow, he bought a trailer, just a shell. And I was finishing the inside for him, and we sitting down eating a hamburger, and I was talking to him about, uh, you know, being called missions. And he gave me this preacher's name in Mississippi. Okay. So why don't you call him? We had three little girls at the time and a boy that was just born. Okay. And... Uh, he said, call him. So I called him. He said, come on over. We're having a mission conference. We're going to be starting in two weeks. So when our son was two weeks old, we went over to Mississippi for a couple of weeks. And at that time, you were living in Georgia? No, we were living back in Texas. Back in Texas. Okay, so you traveled over to Mississippi. So uh, we traveled over there, and that was the beginning of uh, our relationship with Maranatha Baptist Mission. Okay. And Maranatha Baptist Mission is who sent you to yes. the mission field. Yes, went through them. So how long was it uh, from the, from that meeting there in Mississippi until mm-hmm. you were on your way to Haiti? It was a few years. Oh, for we years. Had to get, yeah. Uh, one thing, I built a boat, a 51-foot boat. Uh-huh. I was planning on using a boat in, uh, in the islands, and my wife said, why don't you build one big enough to live on? Uh-huh. So it was her fault. Okay. So now, wait a minute. Tyler, what part of Texas were you in again? We were in Tyler at that time. Tyler, Texas. Is yeah. it near the coast? No. So so you had to transport that boat to some water somewhere. Uh, yes, I built a trailer under it. Okay. And uh, had three axles. Uh-huh. And the back axle had duels on it. 
All right, now so he's 51, see, 51 feet long. 70, uh, yes, and 17 feet wide. It's that's the a, widest that's a, now, now, where do you distinguish it from a boat to a ship? Where, where does it become a you ship? You can put a boat on a ship. You can put a boat on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's the thing about it in, in, when you're in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And somebody says, well, uh, there's your boat over here. He says, no, 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 no. You don't call a Navy man's vessel a boat. Yeah, right. <laughs> we don't have boats. We have ships. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so your, yours was still a boat. There's a boat. Still a boat. And you built it from uh, scratch. I mean, you started yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. Out of wood? Ferro cement. Say it again? Ferro cement. It's uh, steel and concrete. Steel and concrete on a boat? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I never actually, heard of such a thing. Yeah, well, it had uh, quarter-inch steel on two-inch centers all the way around. Uh-huh. And eight layers of half-inch chicken wire. And then you Four put, inside, four outside. And then you put the concrete on the side of it. Well, what you do, you put the cement on from the inside and just work it with a trowel till it goes all the way through. I have someone trowels it off on that. I have never heard of a boat. It's only three quarters of an inch thick. Really? Yes. But it had to be awfully heavy. But then again, steel would be heavy too. Yes. Uh, In fact, some wooden boats, because they have so much, uh, you know, the the ribs are big and all the bracing and all. They they become very heavy too. Okay, so now you have to create a lot of voids in that in that boat in order to keep it afloat. Am, am, am I right? Keep a lot of voids, up. voids, uh, uh, airspace. No. No. Well, see, I, see, I'm a navy guy. Okay. Okay. Well, the <laughs> the principle of, of floating is you know Archimedes says uh, a floating object displaces its own weight in water. Okay. A sunken object displaces its volume. All right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> water is very heavy, over eight pounds per gallon. Uh-huh. And so, you know, a boat, you'll be surprised, you know, how much water you're displacing is a lot of weight. In fact, you can you can fill a, a drum up with diesel or gasoline, throw it in the water, and it'll float, you know. Wow. It's quite a bit of, uh-huh. of it out of the water. Okay, so you're teaching us some things here. Again, I'm going back to my experience. I, I served on an aircraft carrier. And uh, on an aircraft carrier, voids are uh, spaces that you never go in. They're completely sealed off. They're, they're just air. And they're, they're designed to keep that ship afloat. Mm-hmm. And like when you're... when you're yeah, on, We have none. none of okay, so that's not, that wasn't the principle. We didn't have the... <laughs> <laughs> like when you're in, on the aircraft carrier on a big boat or a big ship like that, if, if there's some areas that you there's secure doors mm-hmm. so if you've got to go in that space you have to pick up the air sound powered phones and call dc central and say I'm, I'm going in to this space and when i'm in i'm going to dog it down on the other side because it has to do with the integrity of keeping mm-hmm. that ship afloat and of course uh, uh, a lot of times ships sink because they're not designed properly like that but yours is not that way so you got a concrete boat that you're out there floating on and it and it floats now, why did you choose to go that way? It's just a method. Uh, bugs cannot eat concrete. Okay. That's, that's and, a good point. Uh, so, it's just... So, uh, so you built the boat. Materially easy to get. And you, you, I guess you towed it to the coast? Yes. And built you, a trailer under it, and then uh, a fellow gave us, loaned us a diesel truck. Okay. So we pulled it. All right, so you pulled it to two hundred fifty miles to Corpus to Corpus, maybe no Port Arthur, Port Arthur, mm-hmm. and you got in it and you and you took it to Haiti. Well, actually, uh, we had to build a top cabin on, 
Okay. Because on the trailer, the bow was 13 feet off the ground. Wow. So you were having trouble getting under interstates and oh, things of that nature. Yeah, well, there were no interstates, you know, on our trip. Right. That's but right. we had one. Uh, Prior to Eisenhower. <laughs> yeah, right. One uh, one underpass was 14.6. Ooh. So we, you know, we only had a foot and a half clear. Right, under, right, so right. We went under slowly. So when you got to Port Arthur, is that where you built the... the yeah, we put it in water and then built the cabin. So basically you built a house on top of the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you were confident this thing was going to float like that. Oh, well, I knew it'd float. Okay. <laughs> so is that when you went to Haiti? Did you go to Haiti first? Uh, yes, we took some time. I still was raising support. Uh-huh. We came into... Uh, St. Mark, and went up the uh, the river to Newport. We're talking about St. Mark right here yes, in uh, Tallahassee, Tallahassee, right? Yes. Right outside of Tallahassee. And uh, that's where I met, when I when I met Brother Owen okay. and Brother Taylor. Brother Claude Owen, who was, who was uh-huh. pastor of Central Robert, Baptist Church. Robert Taylor. Right. Okay. I knew both of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so anyhow, we spent some time here. I actually did a little work. On uh, Lakewood Baptist Church, they just were building it. Right, which is now South, Southwood Baptist. Southwood, right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so and then, so this, this is on your way to Haiti. Yes. Okay. And now, we went we went from here to uh, Fort Myers, went up the Caloosahatchee River. Okay. Went into to, uh, Lake Okeechobee. And then out the other side, St. Lucie Canal. So you're checking this boat out, <laughs> making sure this thing's working. So you're you're doing these uh, little offshoots to raise help, raise support for your for your yes. trip, and raise supporters that will uh-huh. help you while yeah. you're there. Yeah. Okay. So you eventually arrived in Haiti. Now, did you know anybody there? Uh, just one man. One man. When we we stopped in the Turks and Caicos Islands, which are geographically a part of. The Bahamian Islands. Okay. But they're geog- uh, politically independent from that. Uh, we were there, and a fellow flew up to see us. He had heard about us, and he wanted me to haul some rice over to an island, which I did. Uh, that's actually where we started the first church. Okay. On the island of Laguna. So, anyhow, he came up, and we met him, and he said, Why don't you come down? And and look, and maybe you'll find a niche down there. Uh-huh. And we did. Okay. So you, you're you going to this place now, and you just know the one person, and you're going in. I mean, you're, you're just meeting people. And how did that go? Cold I mean, turkey. <laughs> did, did, did it go well? Did you have a good response? Yeah. Uh, we started, uh, well, first of all, we knew nothing about the language. Uh-huh. So... And they didn't have they didn't have any schools really of any length. We went nine weeks, two hours a day, which is nothing learning a language. Uh-huh. So I got a tutor who okay. spoke just very little English, and uh, anyhow, so he and I worked together, and I started developing a dictionary. You couldn't get a dictionary of any any magnitude in uh, Creole language. And certainly nothing with Bible terms and names. Right, right. So I developed one that had about 8,000 words. <laughs> and uh, 
But you didn't know the language, so you're having to learn the language as you're writing the dictionary. Yeah. But the dictionary is helping you, if, so you figure if it's helping yeah. you, it's going to help other people as well. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So the first thing you do, you go to this one area. Again, you don't know anybody there. You can't speak the language, but you establish a church. Well, uh, I started, yeah, I started going out there and uh wasn't long. I was there 16 months when I first preached my first message. Uh-huh. It wasn't an hour long, I can assure you. All right. <laughs> well, did you have an interpreter to preach that message? Before, yes. Right. Before. And how long did it take you to learn the language? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 16 months after 16 we were months. There, I preached my first Okay, message. so by that time, you, you felt you had enough uh, understanding of the language that you could actually preach a sermon. Yes. Okay. And how did that go? Went good. We had, uh, I don't remember how many, uh, a good number saved, though. Uh-huh. Okay. We baptized them in the in the ocean. We were right on the ocean. Wow. So we had a baptismal services. And that was the nucleus of your church that you started? Okay. That, that was the start of it. So when you first started the church, where did you meet at? Uh, well, all the time we were there when we would start, we would go to some place, usually someone's house. Uh-huh. And uh, if they'd have a big tree, we'd meet under that and just meet in the open air. Now, now, the weather over there is warm most of the time. Yes, yes. Now, do you have a rainy season? Not rainy seasons, but we do have times when we okay. have rain, you know. But but meeting in a tree pretty all worked pretty well. Yeah. And then uh, uh, did you eventually build a building? Yes. Uh, yeah. Really what we tried to do is get them involved. Uh-huh. Uh, we did not go there and raise money to build buildings. Uh, it's slow like that, but the people realize it's theirs. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, because I do know buildings that were started by Americans that come down, they'd build a building, part of a building. Right. And uh, the people there do not do anything else. They wait for them to come back and put the windows in, the doors, uh-huh. or whatever, you know. So when you get them involved from the very beginning, then they do have a sense of ownership. Sure. Now, what about... And that's the whole point. It's their church. Right, right. But now, what about the funds to buy the materials? Do, do they have enough income? That, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. They Sometimes they sell things, uh-huh. sell a goat or, you know, whatever, and uh, bring the money, you know, for the... Now, now describe this building. <laughs> when you eventually built a building, what well, was it? Well, uh, one of them, for example, uh, what we did was pour some post. Okay. Uh, cement, use, use uh, the corrugated roofing. First, you dig a hole and put three pieces of rebar okay. up, you know. And then uh, you have the little triangles, you tie them together ever every two feet or something like that. Uh, but what, are the, what is the material that you're using? Is it uh, con- concrete block? No, I'm talking about we're digging a hole and put the, put this metal in the steel okay. in there. Right. And then we put the corrugated iron around the steel. Oh, I see. Corrugated roofing uh-huh. around it and tie it with wire and then pour concrete up the top. Okay. And then leave something sticking out to connect with the... Now, I know when I was in Jamaica... There were no windows and there were no doors. Is that pretty much the type of building you, that you built? Well, we'd have places, windows, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Glass? Glass windows? Oh, no. 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 Just openings. Just no. open. yeah. Either openings or shutters. Yeah, it, Wooden shutters. Yeah, I, miss, I misspoke. They would have the openings. You're right. But there would no, be no screens. There would be no windows. Yeah. No, no glass in the window. Just yeah. an opening. So, yeah. so that's basically the building you built. Uh, a building that's open. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and that, yeah, that's pretty common in those yeah. areas. I mean, even houses, most of them don't have uh, quote glass in the windows and stuff. Yeah, oh sure. Yeah, they're just they're just openings. Well, a lot of the good. people we worked with had dirt floors and thatched roofs. Right, you know? right. And so, the, the church that you built was it? Did it have a, a concrete floor? Uh, eventually. Eventually, but when you first built it, no, no. So basically, what you were doing was building a structure to where if it rained, yeah, <laughs> they right. still have a place to exactly, meet. Exactly. Sure. Because uh, we'd put up those posts and the roof, and then come back later and put up walls, and uh-huh. later on put up a floor. Right. But, and and built the pews out of what? Well, uh, at first you just put on put some logs in there. Uh huh. <laughs> Sit on those, and, and and those people will sit on those things too. Oh they? yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what amazed me when I was in Africa. The, the, those pews—they were the most uncomfortable thing. But those folks it didn't matter to them. They came and, and of course, we come and we preach, and we had four of us that were preaching, and we'd preach, and then then the, all four of us would preach, and then they'd say. Uh, are you gonna quit? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. we're, and we're all wore out, but men, they're not. They they just they just lapping it up, and they just wanted to hear the gospel. Being and sometimes preached. they come from a long ways too. Sure, absolutely, yeah. And uh, but now, so how long did it take you to get the church up and running? Well, it you know it depends, uh-huh. and sometimes it takes years, right? And. Uh, but now, when you started the one, you didn't stop there. You went to other yeah, churches others, as well. Yeah. So and how many others started from others? You know. Oh yeah, and that's that's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? Yeah. But how many? And I didn't go there to pastor. Uh huh. You know. Well, you were more of an apostle. Yeah. Because you were you were establishing works, giving them oversight, mm-hmm. establishing raising up pastors to take over these congregations. But how many churches were you between the ones that just branched off the churches that you started, the ones you started? How, how many would you say? Well, there's only four or five that uh, that survived. Uh huh. So you started more. So all of, was, all of them. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, Port-au-Prince. That uh, place just got really bad, uh-huh. and we we got where we couldn't go there. It was too dangerous. Is that right? Wow. Uh, actually, I spent a lot of time working in translation work, too, uh-huh. and uh, two and a half years, I worked full-time. Full-time was from 2 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock in the morning. <sighs> Wow. Which was, was when I worked. Now, full-time doing the evangelistic work, building that's buildings. All, no, during that time, that's all I did. Was was what? Was translate. translation. Translation. Wow. Uh, my goal was 14 verses a day. Wow. Sometimes I did more, sometimes That's well. amazing. Let me tell the radio audience, you're, you're listening to the uh, Gospel on the Radio talk show here on 97.9 ESPN Radio. I'm Pastor Jack King, and I am just uh, excited to be with you. But I tell you what, our time is running short here. Let me just tell you, I'm also the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We'd love to have you come and worship with us. 1105 FRCM.com. 
U.S. is our website. You can check that out. Also, this show will be on podcast. Uh, give it about a week. Uh, 953. That's the show number you're going to be looking for if you want to share it with a friend. Also, join me on Saturday nights for the Saturday Night Gospel Sing on 94.1 on your radio dial at 7 o'clock. A full hour of Southern Gospel music. And... Um, also, AAA Constant Comfort, my good friends Robin and Jim. They do heating and air conditioning. They've been helping me do this show since I started in 2002. Wow. We have been talking all about missions. And I've, I just was just so caught up in your story, Brother Hicks, that I just, <laughs> I couldn't believe that was how much time had gone by. But uh, Dalen Hicks is our, my guest today. He was a missionary to uh, Haiti for 17 years. I asked him the other day when I was talking to him, the, you were not there when the, when the hurricanes, or not the hurricanes, but the earthquakes okay. took no, place. No, you, I went. You, no. Have you been back since then? Yes, a couple of times. I went down uh, one time as an interpreter, and uh, they were uh, counsel, counseling some uh-huh. pastors that, uh, I had a pastor friend that lost eight members. Wow! And uh, part of their church building, huh. uh, he was at the epicenter center. Is that right? At a place called Carfu, which is, uh, you know, connected right to Port-au-Prince on the west side. Right. I bet your heart was just broken oh, when, you, yeah. when you when you went by and uh, oh, this this uh, this nation that you had poured so much of yourself into to see of suffering in such a way. You know, they don't know how many people over two hundred thousand. though, they think. Is that Actually right? Died. Wow, yeah. wow. So you were there in Haiti, and you, you were establishing churches, and you were doing the uh, translation work, which I'm, I'm, I just know that this has affected missionaries. I mean, since then, the work that you did carries on because you're helping them to accomplish what they were called there to do. Yes, uh, many, many thousands have been sent in uh-huh. of the New Testament. And uh, also, the New Testament has Psalms and Proverbs with it. And, uh, well, I say recently, uh, I also did the book of Genesis, and uh, this is a Uh hand-bound. I give these to missionaries, Uh and they give them to pastors that work with those. Is that right? But I've hand-bound about 200, somewhere around 200. And you did this by hand. It's leather. Is that That, leather? That's vinyl. Oh, vinyl. Nog Uh hide. It looks like leather. And so these are are all... uh, New Testaments that you have translated. New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and the Book of Genesis. And it's all all the is, is Creole the only language that's there? Uh, well, French. Okay, French and right. Creole. So, so you were there, and then there come a time when when God said for you to to go home. And uh, yeah, how, how did you know that? I don't know. It's hard to explain. I uh-huh. just felt like we needed to come home. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. I didn't really know why. Right. At the time. Uh, I just felt we needed to. Uh-huh. But then that's when you found out that your wife was was ill. Yes. She had uh, colon cancer. Uh-huh. And it had already infiltrated her colon, so in just a very short while, it would have been all over. Right. You know. And so you lost her. Not then, no. No. That was in 92. Oh, really? And uh, she passed away in... 14. I so she survived the, the colon oh, yeah, cancer? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. Thank God for it. Never never had chemotherapy or radiation. We actually went to uh, Brownsville, Texas and went over every day to Matamoros across the river. There's an American doctor who was an MD. He was a homopathic doctor and a homopathic pharmacist. Uh-huh. 
So he gave us, he treated her there for a couple of weeks, and then we brought shots home Is that, that right? I gave her every day. And then uh, we went back a year later, and he gave us liquid to drink for her to drink. And, uh. But she had one polyp. Is that right? Uh, after that, during all those years. What an amazing yeah. story. Yeah. So you all continued in, on into ministry yeah, sure. after you got back to the yeah. States. And were you still doing the translation work? And Well, I, I did Genesis after we came home. Okay. But uh, we worked in the black community for five five years. Uh-huh. Now, it was, uh, was that, over in Natchez, Mississippi. And now, you were involved with the Central Baptist Church after you came back? Uh well, it's, it's a while after we came uh-huh. back, yeah. But but you were working, as you said, out of the church. In other words, you were connected yes. to, to ministry, but you yes. were, were you traveling and, and yes, supporting ministry? Yes, traveling mission? then. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, what I, would, well, when, when we first came back, we worked for five years in the black community over uh-huh. in Mississippi. And then I was on the board of directors and a representative for the mission. Okay. And uh, then I left and... Uh, started working out of Central Baptist in Baton Rouge. So when you were working in the black community, you were doing the work of, of a, an evangelist yes. going in and, yeah, and trying to people get to Christ. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. We worked in the projects and the, you know, those housing areas mm-hmm. and such. So you just start traveled? Did you travel around or were you in one particular area that you worked? No, we worked right there in Natchez, Mississippi. So after a while, people got to know who you were. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. you're being a blessing yeah. to people. And not only to bring the gospel to them, but I I'm, I'm, would imagine to help in any way you could. And, uh, sure. Help people uh, uh, live a better life, let's put it that way. So now, if you were going to talk to a young person or anybody right now, they, they would come to you and say, I think I may have a call to missions. What would you tell them? Well, uh, yeah, I tell you this: if God wants you, He'll let you know. Uh huh. Okay. He will certainly. You know, uh, people always wonder what God's will is. God will tell you what His will is. Of course, we have the scriptures sure. for His general will. Right. But there are certain things that God calls you for. And uh, and you just know it, right? You know, uh, well, that's what you said about yourself that you didn't quote have the quote call, but you knew. Yeah, there, there was a an affirmation in your heart, and God began to to speak to you about Haiti, <laughs> and uh, well, praise God, that's that's how God works. It yeah. isn't always the 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 thunder or the lightning. Yes. Sometimes, as we know, according to Scripture, small, He'll speak in the small, small stillness of the, of the yeah. voice, to speak in your ear. And uh, I think that's precious when God does that. I think he speaks in our heart, you know. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. So so in other words, you're saying to to this person, look, just just get the call of God. Just just pray about that. God, just confirm it in your spirit, however he chooses to do so. Because I know for for myself. Be faithful to the Lord. Yeah. Be faithful serving him. Now, what about preparation? What would you tell them about getting prepared? Well, of course, you know, schooling is is uh, helpful. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, you need some kind of training. Right. Uh, if you don't have any, you know, certainly you need some. You train for everything else. Right. And one of the things that I have noticed, uh, just observed, a lot of people who are called to missions are people who have a, have other skills. Mm-hmm. And, and in your case, that come in real handy, didn't it? Because not everybody can build a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now, while you were there, did you all live on that boat the whole time? No, we lived on the boat seven years. Seven years? Yeah. And then what happened? 
Well, Hurricane messed the boat up. <laughs> oh, which one? Which, which one? Uh, I don't remember no, the remember. name of it. <laughs> Just, uh, it didn't come directly through Port-au-Prince, but right. it came through that area, and that the wind was real strong right. and broke the boat oh. loose, and uh, it went over shallow water and broke a through-hull fitting. And seawater got in there, and the bugs got in there. Then. Oh, my goodness. And so you had to go find that. And the, the thieves house. actually got in there, too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, when the hurricane was coming, you didn't stay on the boat. Well, we were actually in the States. Oh, I see. We had come to the States. Okay, okay. And I went back down, but uh boat was... It was just too far gone. Yeah. Okay. So then you had to find your house to live it in. It was too much. Yeah, well, we actually moved up north then. To a place called Port of Bay. Okay. Port of Peace. Right. So you were relocating at that yeah, time. Yeah, relocated, yeah. Okay. So, so we what went hap- from the sea to the mountains. So what happened to the boat? Did you just, just destroy it? Uh, no, someone bought it and for, you know, not very much. Uh-huh. And then uh, someone else bought it. And were you sad when you had to give up your boat? Well, yeah. My kids <laughs> loved it. I uh-huh. have three daughters and three sons in that order. Right. They love the boat. Yeah, not everybody gets to be raised on a boat. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I just think it's fascinating that you built it and you and you sailed it down there. Did it sail or did it have a motor in it, right? No, it had a diesel engine. A diesel engine. No sails. Just no sails at all. a motorboat. Okay. So did you, did you follow the coast as you went? I mean, of course, you couldn't go straight to Haiti. Well, I did. Uh, I used the intercoastal waterway. Okay. And then, of course, when we left uh, Miami, we went to Bimini. Okay. In the Bahamas, and then through those islands, the Berry Islands, the Winter right. Nassau, and uh, Crooked Island, and so you just kind of hopscotched, yeah, to, to yeah, get, I did to get uh-huh. your way over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, and I think that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> the longest trip we had in open water was from South Caicos to Haiti, which is 113 miles. So there was never any bad weather while you were making that trip. There was some. We had a boat we were towing we lost. Oh, yeah. Uh, in heavy seas. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of those type of situations. Yeah. Whenever, <laughs> when I was on the Lex, whenever a hurricane would come, we'd have to go out. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And those were never fun times because yeah. that thing, and we're talking about a carrier that can oh, rock, yeah. so I can imagine what your boat would do in a, in a storm. And Because uh, I, I would always think, oh, what would it be like to be down there in that dark water? Well, I just never cared for that thought. Sometimes when I look down off the, off the uh, fantail and I go, man, I'd sure hate to be down, oh, yeah. <laughs> down there lost in that, in that water. And so I could uh, uh, imagine uh, if, you, if you were caught in a storm in your boat, I imagine you had a little bit of time of going, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's faithful. Thank God for that. He is. So you look back on your time in Haiti and and you feel good about it, don't you? Oh, well, certainly. Sure. And uh, you wouldn't wouldn't have done anything. Lives changed. Yeah, you know, a person. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. And uh, you know, I saw a lot of those. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, I I'm just a very appreciative of your faithfulness to the Lord to go do what you do, and I and I appreciate you coming here tonight or this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. And telling us your story. But we always close the broadcast out with prayer. Father God, I just thank you, Lord for this testimony. And God, I just thank you, Father, that even in the remaining years of my brother's life, that God, you'd use him, and Lord, continue to use him. Father, with all the knowledge and things that you've showed him through all these years, to be an influence into others, to go and tell. And Father God, I just pray, Lord, for the nation of Haiti, 
Yes, God. Lord God, I just pray, God, that you would send others to go and declare the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for America. Father, we pray for our country. And Lord, we just pray for the church. God, bless our pastors and those who care the gospel. We give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Hicks, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you, preacher. It's been a blessing being here. Until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.